Have a seat. Good morning. Wow. Wow, wow. Well, everybody looks great. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Welcome. If it's your first time, uh, my name's Matt. I am one of the pastors here. I'd love to get to meet you if you have time. I'll be out in the lobby after service. Uh, also, if you're watching with us online, thank you for joining us today. We're so glad to see everybody in the building, and we're thankful that you're watching with us online. But how's everybody doing? You guys got plans after service? Okay, me too. Good. Um, so some of you were here last year. Uh, I kind of had the bar pretty high. Does everybody remember that? I, I brought a live animal out. I'm probably not going to do that this year. I decided we got to take a year off of live animals. I didn't check with people's allergies or anything. I should have probably done that first. But uh, I, I'm, I'm just going to kind of, like, you know, pastors, they tend to be, they, they want to be original. And I'm not going to try and do that, okay? I'm going to try and stay down the main course. We're going to stick with the resurrection story. Are you guys okay with that this year? Okay, I know, yeah, so, okay, good. Um, but I, I've, I've had some friends that have been trying to get me to come to escape rooms, right? Have you guys ever been to an escape room? I, I, haven't, I have yet to go. I want to go. Um, I actually want to show you all, uh, this is my favor to you for not bringing a live animal. We actually have found the original escape room. I don't know if you guys got to see, I have a picture of it. <laughs> yep. Turns out... Rumor has it, it took three days to get out of that bad boy. It was crazy. I know, that was corny. I know, that's what I was going for. Ah, yeah, feel the corniness. Um, it's just, it really just looks like a big hole in a wall, really, right? That's what, I mean, I could have picked any, any cave. We would have been, that's pro I believe that's where they predict. But uh, I usually, I don't know if you guys are this way, I find myself... Uh, in a hole very often. I don't know if you guys ever find yourself in a hole. I know it's Easter, we're talking about the resurrection, um, but I find myself in a hole pretty good, pretty often. And I will tell you that that's okay because I'm actually pretty decent at getting out of holes, okay? Um, I wanna kinda go back to a story. I don't know if I've told you all this story, but when I was younger, I went to a place, recommend it to any young person, called the Boys and Girls Club when I was a kid, okay? And at the Boys and Girls Club, you learn a lot of things. You learn how to be really good at foosball. You learn how to be really good at ping pong. You learn how to be really good at a lot of random things that you probably will never be able to use in life, right? And one of the things that were there that they offered was judo. I don't know if you know what judo is, but it's a martial arts. And uh, so I took some classes with judo for a little while. And I remember uh, about ninth grade... Roughly, I was out at a football field, and somebody uh, walked up to me and tried doing kind of like a punch or a swing at me, and I kind of blocked it and threw the person over the side. And some guy came up, and he goes, whoa, 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 Matt, do you know martial arts? And I was like, ah, you know, I mean, some. I know some martial arts, right? And he goes, another guy goes, well, are you like a martial arts expert? And I was like, I don't know if I'd call myself that, but I don't know, whatever, right? So I didn't really think anything about it. 
And turns out these kids went back to school all week long and told everybody in the entire high school that I was a martial arts expert, okay? And that's fine. You can let the rumors spread however you want. Um, but by Friday, I was in ninth grade. We had a line of 12th graders trying to find out if I was a martial arts expert by taking a punch at my face, okay? So um, what did I do? Did I deny that I was a martial arts expert? No. I did my best to block every single guy that was ready to take a swing at me, right? I would just block them, and I didn't know what I was doing, but I was doing some stuff and throwing them or whatever, and it looked okay. I got by, but I really just did my best. I just did the best that I knew how. And I would say across the board, people in general are just trying to do their best. Wouldn't you, can we all agree, like, we're just trying to be the best parent. We're trying to be the best husband. We're trying to be the best child. Um, we're trying to be the, the best at our jobs. We're just trying to do our best. And I think that that goes for all of humanity, right? Like, even into Christianity, people are just trying to do the best that they know how. Um, I would say also, um, we're going to go through this resurrection story real quick, but I want to point out just a few people that were just trying to do their best, just trying to do the best that they knew how. If you can go with me to Luke chapter 24, we're going to read one, we're going to start at verse one. It's in the Passion Translation, Luke 24. If you want to follow on the screens, you can. It says, very early that Sunday morning. The women made their way to the tomb, carrying the spices they had prepared. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Jesus' mother Mary. Now, I love that because you have two famous Marys there, Mary Magdalene and Jesus' mother Mary, and then somehow Joanna snuck her name in there, right? So if your name is Joanna, props to you. You get named among the three. But verse 2, it says, arriving at the tomb, they discovered that the huge stone covering the entrance had been rolled away. So they went in to look, but the tomb was empty. The body of Jesus was gone, and they stood there stunned and perplexed. I want you guys to remember that verse right there. They stood there stunned and perplexed. Suddenly, two men appeared above them in dazzling white robes, shining like lightning. Terrified, the women fell to the ground on their faces, and the men in white said to them, Why would you look for the living one in a tomb? He is not here, for he has risen. Have you forgotten what he said to you while he was in Galilee? The destiny of the Son of Man is to be handed over to sinful men, to be nailed to a cross, and on the third day to rise again. All at once, they remembered his words. Leaving the tomb, they went to break the news to the eleven and to the others of what they had seen and heard. When the disciples heard the testimony of the women, it made no sense, and they were unable to believe what they heard. But Peter jumped up, ran the entire distance of the tomb, or to the tomb, to see for himself. Stooping down, he looked inside and discovered it was empty. There was only the linen sheet lying there. Staggered by this, he walked away wondering what it meant. Now, some of you might know this. I didn't really know this um, till recently, but 
it was Jewish custom that they did not embalm their dead, right? They would cover the dead with spices because of the decay, and that was to cover the, the smell. But verse 3, if, if you can focus on that, right, um, it points out that when they went to go drop these spices or lay these spices on the body of Jesus, when they got there, they realized that his body wasn't there. Verse 3, it says, So they went in to look, but the tomb was empty. The body of Jesus was gone, and they stood there stunned and perplexed. The message translation, it says, They were puzzled, wondering what to make of this. Now, why were these women stunned, perplexed, puzzled, maybe even bewildered? Why were they confused about what was going on because the body of Jesus was supposed to be there and when they arrived it wasn't have you ever showed up to somewhere where you were expecting somebody to be and they weren't there have you ever showed up to a place where you're you're positive that they're going to be at the place that you left them only to find out that they weren't I would say it's human nature to be surprised, wouldn't you? Like you get somewhere, you're counting on a coffee date, you're counting on meeting somebody at work, and when you get there, it's natural to wonder where they are, to be confused about why they're not there. Uh, My wife and I, um, we went uh, to college out in Oklahoma, and we were dating at the time, and she thought it was a really good idea to like go back for Easter and visit her family for Easter morning. Now, the only wild part about that is she didn't want to tell them. She just wants to drive from Oklahoma to Ohio overnight. And so she lets me know uh, her and her roommate were going to go, and I thought, this is my girlfriend. Why wouldn't I want to hang out with her for 12 hours in a car to be able to talk about life, God, and everything else? Heck yeah, let's go. And so we loaded up. We headed towards Ohio. And we got there at 2 a.m. in the morning. We had bunny ears on, and we started banging on the windows, right? And I'm thinking, this could be bad. This could be really bad. Sure enough, the lights turn on. Everybody has a good laugh. Then we go to the other family members around the corner. We wake all of them up. And we pretty much hung out all the way till Easter service the next morning. Now, mind you, in my head, the whole time on the way there, I'm thinking, what if they were to have done that to us? What if they were to have driven all the way to Tulsa, Oklahoma at the same time without letting us know that they were coming and we would have been in two different places at the same time, right? That's where my mind went. And I'm thinking this would be the worst thing if we get there and nobody's there. And that's what happened with these three women. They got to the place where they were positive that Jesus was going to be and he wasn't there. So it's human nature to think that someone is going to be where you're expecting them to be. So Mary, Mary, and Joanna being stunned, perplexed is an ordinary response. It's ordinary to pay your respect, and it's natural to be taken aback when they're not where they should be, right? I think what's more intriguing is the question that the angels ask, though. At least they're believing that these are angels, right? It says, Luke 24, verses 4 through 6, it says, they stood there stunned, and perplexed, suddenly two men appeared above them in dazzling white robes, shining like lightning. Verse 5, terrified, the women fell to the ground on their faces, and the men in white said to them, why would you look for the living one in a tomb? He is not here, for he has risen. It's almost as if the angel was confused as to why they were there. 
Truthfully, why did they go back to an empty grave? I believe it's because they still felt like they needed to return the favor, like there was still something for them to do. It's important to see that they were just trying to do their best. They were trying to do the best that they knew how. And that's the question I kind of want us to wrestle with this Easter morning today is what are we doing to try and do our best, right? In what ways are we trying to give back to God? In what ways are we trying to pay it forward back to him? In what ways are we returning to empty graves, And today, I want to give us five empty graves today, if you can hang in there with me, five empty graves that we might still be going back to, that we might still be visiting, possibly even on a daily basis. The first empty grave I present that we might be going back to are the do's and the don'ts. The do's and the don'ts. The rules. Where are my rule people, right? The rules, the do's and the don'ts. I remember when I first came to know the Lord, Uh, I was so excited. I was so excited to be in relationship with him. I was so excited. Man, this God that I'd always wondered about, that I felt so ashamed to be even connected with, now I'm connected with, and now I love it, and I think he's amazing, and I'm so excited about who he is, and I'm so excited to find out that he's excited about me as well. And it wasn't very long after that moment that I had some good, well-meaning people that came to me, and they said, Matt, this is just the starting blocks, okay? This is just... This whole excitement about your relationship with God, this is just where we're going to start. Now you have to find out everything that you need to do in order to maintain your relationship with God. You've acquired your relationship with God, but now it's up to you, really, in essence, to find out what all the do's and the don'ts aren't, right? To find out what they are and then to fulfill those do's and don'ts, to fulfill those rules, to walk in those rules, but I hate to be the bearer of good news this morning, but God doesn't care about all of your rule following. I know, I know, I was fairly disappointed the first time I heard that as well, but I would say, I, and the reason why that is, is because I loved the rules. I loved finding out, oh, if all I have to do to maintain my relationship with God is to follow the rules, well, by God, I'm going to find out all the rules there are, and I'm going to try and fulfill all of those rules. But I was very disappointed in the process, right? He doesn't care about all of your rule following, and the reason why he doesn't care is because that is why Jesus came. He came to fulfill and to abolish these laws that we were trying to live by. Ephesians 2.15, it says, Christ ended the law with its many commands and rules. His purpose was to make two groups become one in him, the Jews and the Gentiles, right? By doing this, he would make peace, and not just peace, but peace with all mankind. Christ ended the law and its many commands and rules, Maybe, uh, maybe a story would help you guys. I used to have a cat and, uh, when I was younger. And just to let you guys know, I'm not a huge fan of cats. Okay? I know that half of you I just lost. You're like judging me like, man, that guy, I, he might love Jesus, but I'm not really sure. Uh, and part of why I'm not a huge fan of cats is because I'm highly allergic. So I get a little bit of an excuse. Some of you are like, okay, we can give him a little bit of compassion, right? I can see it in your eyes. But this cat's name was Oscar, and Oscar was a great cat. It was a Siamese. It was real pretty, and it used to um, 
have a lot of personality, and we loved cats with personality. But this cat, unfortunately, had a bad habit. And the habit that it had is it would kill all sorts of little animals, right? Like little birds and little bunnies. And then it would do whatever it did out in the field. And then it would bring up the remains and leave it on the carport for us. And then when we pulled up in the driveway, it was the proudest cat you'd ever seen. It was just so proud and so sure, like, man, these people are going to be so excited to see what I've left them. And we'd get there, and we're like, what are you doing, Oscar? We'd take the broom and sweep all the gross, dead things off to the side. You silly cat, what are you doing, right? And sometimes I think that's how following the rules are, right? Following the laws. These laws are dead, and they're gone with, and we think, man, I followed the rules, God. Look at what I've done only to find out that God isn't impressed with dead things. He's not worried about those things. The second empty grave we might be visiting, we might be stopping at, is performance. Now, in high school, most of the sports I played, uh, I would usually join with a friend. My best, my best friend, Gavin, we'd usually join the sports together. We'd try it out. And typically, if we had a really difficult coach, I could tell my buddy Gavin was ready to go. Like, he's like, this coach is going to scream at us the whole time. But me, for some strange reason, I loved a coach that screamed at me. Like, I would go crazy when a, when a coach would command or tell me to get after something or to run harder, run faster. I would just, I would go all in to a point where I would like go past even my own teammates because I wanted to perform better than everybody else, right? And unfortunately, this type of thinking has creeped over into Christianity where we think that that's how God works. We think God is concerned about our performance. I remember when I was a a, a young believer, people would ask me, they're like, well, how often do you go to church, Matt? And I would say, I would proudly say, I go to church seven days a week. Yep, seven days a week. I know you go one, week, one day a week, maybe, if you get a chance, but I go seven days a week, right? I want you to know, you probably won't hear too many pastors or Christians let you know, God is not concerned about how many days a week you go to church. And the truth is, he's not even concerned if you've ever even been to church, Sometimes I'll run into people in the parking lot or around town, and I'll run to them like, Matt, 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 like, I'm going to get back to church. And I'll say, that's great. That's great. We'd love to have you. We'd love to encourage you in these things. But I want you to know God is not concerned about those things. He's not stressed out about the things that we're stressed out about. He doesn't want you making new Easter resolutions saying, I'm going to be at church from now on. This is it. This is the start. Today's the day. I'm rededicating my Easter dedication. He's not worried about those things. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8, verse, verses eight, or 2, verse 8 and 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved. By faith. Nothing you did could ever earn this salvation. For it was the love gift from God that brought us to Christ. So no one will ever be able to boast for salvation is never a reward for good works or human striving or performance. I added that in. Empty grave number three that we might still be visiting is goodness. 
Now, this one I, kinda, I can kind of get behind, goodness, right? I kind of feel like I, I could adopt this, this type of thinking because every time you turn on the news, it's a little disheartening. Could we all agree? Like you turn on the news, and you're like, man, more bad news. Uh, you watch anything on Instagram or Facebook, and you're just like, man, that's all I hear is bad news. So I kind of understand the thinking of, man, I just want to be good. I just want to be a good person. I just want to do like good, that's, that's what I've made up my mind because good is better than bad, right? That's what we think is good is better than bad. But I believe the difficult part about that conversation is by what standard would you say good and bad are? By what metric are you using? What ruler are you saying would be good and bad? Because if you think about it, when Jesus was here on the earth, right, he was not necessarily considered good to religious people. They did not look at him as good. In fact, I don't know if you know that they crucified him because they did not think he was good. And why was that? It was because he hung out, one of the things, he hung out with people that didn't have it all figured out. And some of you might say, well, I think he hung out with sinners so that he could tell them about the good news. Or, or maybe he just hung out with people that didn't have it all figured out because they, they at least admitted that they did not have everything figured out, that they did not say, I'm going to do good versus bad. Maybe he just hung out with them because he loved them. God sent not his son into the, into the world to condemn the world, but that the whole world might be saved. If you think about the, the prodigal son, right? Everybody kind of knows the story of the prodigal son, but I'll give it to you anyways. The son asked for his inheritance. He went out, and scripture says that he spent it on wild living. Whatever wild living is, roller coasters, riding ponies, I don't know what wild living is, but he had a great time while he was out there. He spent all the money, and it turns out he, he spent everything so much that he was eating with the pigs, Okay? And in Jewish culture, that is a very big no-no. And so he decides probably even working for my dad would be better than what I'm experiencing. So he picks up, he, make, he makes his way towards his dad, and scripture says that his dad saw him from afar off. And then it says that he ran to his son. And then, if you think about it, how many days had the son been not showering, probably had pig slop still on his face, and the dad decides, I'm going to kiss my son. And then I'm going to get him a ring, I'm going to put it on his finger, I'm going to put a robe on him, and we're going to kill the fatted calf. Meanwhile, the other brother is like, but I did all the good. I did good. What is he? And that's the truth of the matter is, God's not worried about good and bad. He's not worried about you trying to do good. He just is good, and so he loves you, and he wants to show you his goodness. Think about the thief on the cross, right? Literally, the guy's hands are tied, okay? He's about to die next to Jesus, and the guy on the cross says, hey, Jesus, remember me? And Jesus says, I got you. I'll see you in paradise today, right? There was nothing that that guy could do in order to impress Jesus or impress God. And so if we're trying to impress God with our goodness, we're probably entering an empty grave. The fourth empty grave that I present would be facts and information. Facts and information. So many of us have determined that the more facts we learn about God, the closer we are to God. Man, if I could just learn and read and learn and read, then I'll be really close to God. Uh, I I don't know if you guys know who Judah Smith is, but Judah Smith is a pastor up in Washington, and one of the things he said is, everyone dies with heresy. 
And that heresy word sounds pretty scary. It sounds like, whoa, what does it mean? I'll just read it to you, the definition. It says, an opinion or belief that is the opposite of or against what is the official or popular opinion. So many of us pride ourselves on being right about knowing about God. But let's be honest, when we get to heaven, Jesus is going to say, I'm not worried about all those things that you, were so, that you thought you were so right about. You got some things wrong, but you did your best. Come here, give me a hug. I love you. I'm so proud of you. I'm not worried about that. You did the best that you could do, right? People have an obsession about knowing about God. Some people believe that every time they spend time with God, right, that he keeps them in right relationship with him. Philippians 4.8, I'm going to read it to you. In the New Living, it says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Can I tell you what's right today? I want you to know that it's right that no matter um, how much information you can gain about God, it doesn't make you any more right with him than he's already made you. It doesn't matter how much you think you know about God or you can gather all the facts and gather all their information. It doesn't make you any more right than what he has made you. The fifth empty grave that I want to go, that I want to close, close out with is our own. Our own grave. And I will tell you, I used to spend most of my time at this empty grave, right? I would spend most of my time trying to fix myself, trying to cut off old habits, trying to break generational curses, right? But I want you to know Jesus doesn't want you visiting his empty grave, and he doesn't want you to visit your own. Romans 6, 4, it says, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. It's one thing to know that Jesus died and rose again. It's another to know that we did too. It says that we were buried, therefore, with him in baptism and into death. Right, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. The newness of life is that we aren't trying to die to self anymore because that way of life is gone. It's an empty grave. See, the perplexing truth that day was that the grave was empty. But I want to encourage you today that knowing the grave is empty will prevent you from going back and visiting the grave over and over and over again. Right? There was a time, I don't know if you remember this time, but there was a time where the church pro uh, promoted that God was afar off, that he was way out into the distance, and that it was up to us to bring him here. It was up to us to bring him closer to us, but I want you to know there couldn't be anything further from the truth. He is always willing and waiting and wanting to talk with us. He's not far off at all. Um, before I worked here, I used to uh, work construction 
And I, I would have some really long days, like where I wasn't sure if I was going to get home at 8 or 9 o'clock. And I had two, uh, two girls. They're, they're getting taller now, but they used to be little bald babies. And uh, we had uh, two French glass doors at our house. And I remember doing everything in my power, like working really fast and trying to get things done because I wanted to get home to them, right? Like I wanted to rush home and get there. And it was so wild because every time I would pull into the driveway, both of them looking at me, right? They would just do, they would be so excited that their whole bodies would go, right? And every time, every time I pull up, right? Then they would turn around and do the thing and they would go, you'd see them lean, they just lean up against the glass, right? And so, I mean, some days I was running to get get done with my work that day because I knew that those two little ones were going to be leaning up the glass, leaning up against the glass when I got home. And I think about that sometimes. It kind of translates over to me that that's how God is, right? Like God is so excited to see us. We think he's just waiting on us to do all these things and he's waiting on us to fix ourselves and he's waiting on us to perform and he's waiting on us to, to look for him. He's just waiting. He's just waiting. He loves us and he's so excited when he talks to us. He's so excited when we want to talk to him. He's so excited. And you know what's funny? When I would come in, I never had a gift, right? I didn't have a gift. I didn't, I, I probably smelled. Sometimes I mowed grass. I think I had grass all over my body, right? And I'd pick up my girls, and they weren't worried about that at all. They weren't concerned about it. And that's very much how God is. God's not concerned about us fixing ourselves. He's so He's, he, he, he doesn't even see the things that we see. He's not waiting around for us to figure out how to fix our lives so that we can talk to him. No, he's just waiting to talk to us. He's wanting to talk to us. He doesn't want us to return to empty graves. He doesn't want us to return to the do's and don'ts, the performance, the goodness, the facts and information our own grave. He's only excited that we are there. Why would you look for the living one in an empty grave or in a tomb? He's not there. And the good news that I want to tell you today is that you aren't either. You aren't either. And it's not up to you to try and fix yourself. God loves you. I heard heard a famous pastor one day say that God loves you for the potential that you'll be one day. And I want you to know that is a lie. He's not waiting. How weird would it be if I told my kids, man, I can't wait for who you're going to be one day. Like, I love you for your potential that you have. Not who you are right now, but whoever you'll be one day. That would be weird. God's not weird. He loves you right where you are without changing anything about yourself. He loves you. Amen? Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for each one that's here this morning. We thank you we get to celebrate Easter every day, every week. God, this isn't anything special to us, God, because we know what you did. We trust you, God, today. We speak life into each one this morning. If they're going through a hard time this morning, God, I thank you, God. I speak peace, peace of mind, God, that you came and you created peace. You abolished the law so that we don't have to sit around and think, am I doing everything right? 
You are right. We receive that today, God. We love you. We trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen.